Hey guys, hope y'all enjoy this week's episode of the podcast. We're going to be doing a deep dive on tent fabrics. Uh, hopefully it'll be a good educational piece for you. Um, just breaking down all the fabrics that are out there. Um, just wanted to remind y'all, we do, we are giving away an Ultra 400 backpack right now. All you got to do is go on iTunes um, or Spotify, leave a review um, telling us your favorite episode, and next week we're going to be picking one of y'all uh, at random, and we're going to be giving you a free Ultra 400 backpack of your choice. It's either going to be a Peregrine 3500 or a Gila, depending on you know what style you want to go with. So. Be sure to hit up iTunes, hit up uh, Spotify, leave us a review, and we will um, we'll be putting putting uh, putting a drawing together and getting you guys uh, some free stuff. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Seek Outside Podcast. And then you should, you think that's bad? See Ryan on the phone in the office. <laughs> Some people are just wired that way. Yeah. All right, we ready? Hit it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Seek Outside podcast. I am your host, Ryan Sapina, and today we're talking with Kevin Tim about fabrics. And Owen Tim. And, uh, and Owen me, Tim, yeah, Owen, Owen Tim. Tim over there. We got Can't two Ryan's. I'm getting confused. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing double there. Owen, Owen fired me from the from the podcast here, so he's now the new host. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, that was that was a pretty good intro. Yeah, it was a pretty, yeah. It was a pretty yeah. good run. I think Ryan's done You've, a stellar job. Well, thank you. Anyway, you guys said you get so many questions of from people asking about different fabrics. One hundred percent tent fabrics. So that's half my half my job is talking about fabric. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we've decided that we would basically open up a can of worms and uh, go on a podcast and talk about everything with fabrics. So we're yep. going to lightweight tent fabric. Yeah, lightweight tent. We're going we're going to frame this around fabrics that are primarily made for lightweight tents. So canvas, things like that, a heavy tent that you don't care about the weight we're we're not going to deal with, right? It's not our business. Yeah. So in this, we're talking going to talk a bit about Dyneema, which everyone drools over Dyneema. We're going to talk a bit about Sil Nylon, right? Um, and let me clarify there. I think Sil Nylon gets a little bit of a dirty word, but it's because there's so many different variants of it and different qualities of it out there that I think people, and let's be frank, I mean, some people say, well, I had a Sil Nylon tent and I didn't like it. Well, maybe they didn't like the manufacturer of the Sil Nylon tent. Maybe they weren't, you know, there's a ton of variants, right? There's some people that make really good tents that set up tight, and, you know, there's some people that don't make such good tents. There's a Sil Poly that's kind of the new kid on the block that a lot of people talk about. Um, There's some companies that are saying it's the latest, greatest, or whatever, right? And there's um, Sil PU which is probably fading a little bit. 
um, from popularity. And um, what's the PU stand for? We, just we had, for the we folks used out there? one side coated still PU, yeah. right? For, yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, we we did. We've done a couple tents with different variations of sil PU. Um, there's different variations. There's there's one to blend it, blend them together, and we did it to reduce the stickiness of a high waterproof coating. Um, but other people have done it to put one side sill, one side PU, and then they were able to tape the PU side mm-hmm. um, with seam tape. Okay. And then there's a few things out there with 7 to 10 denier sill nylons out there um, as well, which <clears throat> seems incredibly thin. But I'll, I'll actually say the, the couple tents, uh, we, and we've made tents out of all these. You know, we make tents and... We might go test a tent for a year or a fabric for a year before we do anything with it. Uh, we've made tents and sent them to customers. We've had customers that have requested sil poly, and then we sent them the sil poly, and they were like, nah. Um, we've had, you know, we had one person who was very familiar with our tents who took a sil poly and a Dyneema, both protos, on a three-week trip, and they ended up using the Dyneema most of the time. Um, they used the Sopali a couple, few nights, and then we're like, yeah, go with the Dyneema. Yeah. Um, there's seven to ten denier cells. So those are relatively the five fabrics. That are, that are mostly mainstream. Probably the most popular. Yeah, yeah I mean, you can, you can get off on some other things, and there's, there's other people that will give things like a, give a moving target of what lightweight is, right? And there's... And they'll be like, well, isn't 40 denier lightweight? Well, most people don't really consider it lightweight. And there'll be some 40 denier nylons out there and some 40 denier and 70 denier fabrics and stuff like that. Um, So that's kind of um, what we're going to cover in these. um, If I can see our notes is strength, tear, puncture. Value, waterproof, condensation, sag, degradation, UV. And we're also going to add like a little side note advertisement saying that most of these fabrics you can buy from Ripstop by the Roll if you want to check them by yourself. Um, Ripstop by the Roll's moniker is the best fabrics on earth. That might be a little strong, but generally I'm pretty sure that when I buy stuff from them, that it's fairly top shelf or fairly close to the top. So if I wanted to just buy something and be like, oh, there's a new development in SILPUs, it's so much better or whatever, and Ripstop by the Roll had it, I would have no fear in buying it from them a couple yards or 10 yards or 20 yards or whatever, make a couple shelters and giving it that test. And if I really think it is, an improvement, a market improvement, then go from there and see what you can improve. But well, and the nice the nice thing about being able to get sample fabric to use and touch is you can compare multiple manufacturers' fabric from them, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. So before you actually click the trigger on a tent, you can uh, puncture and tear and feel the stretch of each material that the manufacturer yeah, we're also is gonna, using. I think we're also going to go through why some things are important, which may not seem important, obviously. Yeah. 
So Well, and just for the people out there, I mean, if you go on Ripstop by the roll, all that material is like super cheap, right? So if most of these tents, if you're trying to, if you really are concerned about the fabric and you don't want to take our word for it, go go buy some. Test it and for yourself. test it for yourself. Freaking, you know, yeah. you were saying in the backpack episode, you got your little rock test where you rub a rock up against it, mm-hmm. see the abrasion resistance. Yeah. You create, can do that your yourself. Own test. Create I, your own. A test I often use with um, with tent fabrics is to hold it out and stick a um, titanium stake through it and see how easy I can tear it. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that you're going to have to be pretty strong. To tear a good Dyneema and a good Sil Nylon. Um, that, that not everyone's going to be able to tear those. So Owen can't do this test at home then, huh? Yeah, he's probably. I don't know. Away. When we did that test round, I, I don't know. I think you were the only one who wasn't able to. Uh, no, to I t- ripped it. Who, I ripped who it. didn't? Amy. Uh, <clears throat> and, but she was holding it wrong. And yeah, to be. Was, and to be, we did get drunk one night and go through a bunch of fabrics doing stuff like that. Yeah. Um, just because I wanted everyone to kind of see stuff for themselves. Yeah, no firsthand. And no firsthand. Yeah. Um, but I'm off the wagon or on the wagon. I don't know which one it is. Uh, I'm not getting drunk for a while. So. Congrats, Kevin. Yeah. It's as, tough, as, tough as being me and, in this room with as the podcast. <laughs> Throwback, a nice silver yeah, bullet. <laughs> yeah, it, podcasts do go better with a little bit of drink in the hand. Yeah. I, I will admit it. So, anyway, I'm going to give a cliff notes. I'm going to give a real quick cliff notes. Kevin's opinion. You guys totally disagree with me if you want or whatever. But I think if you made say a Cimarron out of every one of those fabrics and stuck it up, and you had people sleeping them for five to seven days each, I think that most people are going to say they prefer the experience of the Dyneema. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah. And go into that. I mean, that's like for people that haven't yeah, why, used why, Dyneema. Why would why most is, people yeah. like the Dyneema? Well, if people don't like a little bit of stretch, a little bit of adjustment, I mean, the Dyneema, Dyneema is going to stretch far less than anything. Um, they're going to be, at least if it comes from us, we do a f- really thorough taping job. We probably mm-hmm. over-tape the heck out of it, um, to be honest, but better safe than sorry. Um, and that they're just a very solid-feeling tent um, and very pleasant to be in. Um, and, you know, there's probably, they probably give up and stress some other points like your stakes and your pole a little bit more at the at the very upper end of performance of mm-hmm. of being in a shit show weather pattern but you know they they are a really fine tent and probably as part of experience you gotta back it down or take the tent down and make the person hike with it for three miles before they spend the night in it as well right mm-hmm. because yeah. it does it does it that and the seven the real light sill um the seven denier high tenacity i'm gonna when i refer to sill i'm going to make a differentiation between high tenacity and regular nylon um but the seven to ten denier sill approaches a pretty similar weight um 
but I think that's going to be um, their 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 preferred. However, I think if they are concerned about lifespan and ruggedness, that that is absolutely going to, and I'm going to differentiate sill nylon broad term basically means a nylon that has a silicone coating. Nylons are broken down into, there's regular nylon, there's high tenacity nylon, there's a couple others, there's also cordura nylon, which is what we use. Um, basically, high tenacity nylon 6.6 is a generic version of cordura. In our testing, they seem to tear differently. Mm. And the way they tear differently <clears throat> is the Cordura threads seem to be a little more fuzzy when they tear, like like a high-tenacity nylon um, tears more cleanly. Um, and what I think it is, and I could be wrong on this, but what I my guess is that things are layered a little like this, where... They'll do that sometimes like in composites, like in fiberglass. Someone may do, say, fiberglass that's like this. And someone might do fiberglass that's like this, mm. where it's layered. And when then, I'm, like, as far as explaining the layers a little more or a little more deeply, like, explain kind of what you were showing. Well, well think of if you're, like, interlocking your fingers. Yeah. It's kind of kind of like that, right? I think that... The threads are maybe interlocked a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that the tear <coughs> strength is fairly similar, but it does seem like the Cordura version of a high-tenacity sil nylon maybe has a little bit extra, that it doesn't want to no. tear quite as cleanly. Yeah. Right? So that is what we use. Yeah. Then, and, and that's important for for you because if you think about it in a field situation if you have a a tree that falls down on your shelter on your first day right and maybe a, a branch pokes a little hole in your your tent you, you know if if you don't have that rip stop to keep that rip from spreading the you know you can take mm, a bad situation and make it way worse very so quickly. it's yeah it's like you can you can probably get by with a small hole in your tent for 5 days you know you just make sure you you can either patch it up if it's small enough or just, you know, avoid that area of the tent. But if it spreads, then you're probably having to go home. There's there's a million different reasons people get holes in their tents. Yeah. And this is kind of a little bit of a sidetrack. But, but in owning a tent company, you'd be surprised at the ways people get holes in their tents. Um, Look at the warranty. Dogs is, dogs is high up. Dogs, dogs, are, dogs oh. are very high up on the whole list. Yep. Um, there's also probably higher than expected bears. Yep. Um, there's been um, mule. Um, horse. Yeah, horse. Mules, horses. Um, there's things falling in the woods. Mm -hmm. um, the random tree branch, right, um, in a windstorm. Um, there's people that aren't really paying attention when they're pounding in a stake and end up pounding in the stake through their tent fabric. Mm -hmm. um, there's also... Sharp objects in a backpack. Sharp objects in a backpack. There's that you set your tent up, it snowed, then it warmed up, 
that froze again. Your tent got caught in ice and you yanked on it. Um, there's rocks that people put on sod skirts occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, which we don't recommend. Right, which we do not recommend. Um, and I think that that is something people have started to do because they've seen people put rocks on stakes mm-hmm. and they've just expanded it out, right? Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, there's there's a lot of ways holes can get in a tent, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh, yeah, trekking pole. I've seen where someone... <laughs> A kid stuck his trucking pole through someone's tent, you know? You remember that? You remember the first time I, I took my, I got a brand new Dyneema tent for myself to use for hunting. And we went up to set it up. And I was trying to put, I was taking my trekking pole out of my backpack and just straight through, chopped the Dyneema. Was, oh, no. That, it, was, it had to be set up for five minutes. When, yeah. when you and I went up yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's, and then that's when things can get a little hairy with your tent, right? Um, if your tent holds together really well, great. If it doesn't, well, so that, that's kind of one of the deciding points. So mm-hmm. anyway, back to the fabrics. Dyneema is very strong um, and very pleasant, but I think that a high-quality, high-tenacity sill – nylon is probably the most durable long-term tent. Now, there is, and I, I understand, I'm a vendor, so you guys might not want to trust me because you think I'm trying to sell you something that is just on my thing, right? But there's also other vendors, and they probably have their story that they're trying to sell as mm-hmm. well, right? Like there's people that are lately so poly is the story. They're pushing it as that it doesn't degrade in UV and that it doesn't stretch the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's also much less expensive. So when you go to Ripstop by the Roll and you buy one yard of their silk poly and one yard of their mountain sill, which is a high quality sill, um, you're going to notice a very substantial price difference in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's all sorts of things there when it comes to, you know, why people say things. But I believe that the sill is the one that will stand up to the most continuous abuse over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think a, a fun thing to touch on here, too. Is it's not like we're stuck or tied to any fabrics as a company. No, we're not. If we truly thought we something, have, if we, we truly thought Gore-Tex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we if we truly thought something was a better or superior product, and it was cheaper, that's what we'd, we'd be making. It's not like we have product quotas where we have to use all of our use all of this material. You know, we we make everything in in house. We can order the fabric tomorrow and start making all of our tents out of it. Oh yeah, yeah, and we've made we've made <clears throat> tents out of every one of these. Yeah, yeah. So, I I will say I'm actually fairly impressed with the super light cell, mm-hmm. the seven denier, mm-hmm. which we got a few little tents floating around of those. Yep. as well, and that is a surprisingly it's really hard to sew, um, and it's more expensive still, mm-hmm. but for its weight, it's fairly impressive. Yeah. Um, 
So let's get kind of, I guess, let's kind of get back on track here, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of the Cliff Notes version, mm-hmm. right? So we're not, we're not going to say any of these fabrics are poor by any means, mm-hmm. right? Like Silpale, it makes a good tent. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, I don't think it makes as good a tent. And personally, I think that it's somewhat oversold in its benefits. Yeah. So, so what makes what makes the Sil Poly oversold comparatively to like the high tenacity Sil Nylon? Like, what are the what's what are what are people saying that makes it better than all the other fabrics on there? Well, they say that first they say that it doesn't suffer from UV degradation, and this is often the case. Remember, I kind of went back and said. Uh, some people are people market a little bit as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we try to be as honest in our marketing as we can. Um, but everyone markets a little bit. But they say that doesn't suffer from UV degradation, and there is some truth to that. But the actual truth is more that nylons. It very much depends on the color. Bright nylons, like we made a eight-person teepee out of pink sill nylon one time. It was that, like doing drugs when you went inside. Of it. it was literally like doing <laughs> drugs when you went inside. Your world was different when you came out. It was mm-hmm. like you took acid and just didn't come back to the same earth. Yeah. Well, and so so why why do different colors of sill nylon degrade more? Than others, I'm. I am not so certain on the why of that, but it does. Like that one, and I live in a very high UV environment. Mm-hmm. Um, Seventy two hundred feet, a lot of sun, not much clouds, and most months, most of the year, most Junes, we hardly see a cloud in the sky. You know, I can pitch a tent out there and why you know, and take its original fabric and sit next to it you know, or next to the door and just watch it degrade if I want, right? Yeah. I did that with the pink one. And the pink one turned to peach in about three weeks. And it also got much weaker. And we also, our very first tent before we were ever selling tents, because we made a lot of prototypes before then, but our very first one that we used a lot was yellow. And that one we had up for probably about six months, so about 180 days. At 180 days, it started to show some signs of degradation and, and weakening. And there was other reasons why we didn't use yellow. Um, bugs are much more attracted to the bright colors as well mm-hmm. than the muted colors. Um, we built one tent that was out of brown and yellow alternating panels, and I took it up in the Weminuch and camped at twelve five right below Vestal Peak between Vestal and Three Trinities, and um, all the yellow panels had so many flies on them, it was insane, and the brown had nothing. Mm. Um, so that factors into it. Now, the more muted colors, I have no fear. We've been selling tents for twelve years now. And remember, I'm talking about some of the prototypes we made before we even started selling tents. Um, I don't think I've seen one of our more natural colored tents come back in yet. 
Well, and that's the thing. I mean, we have a whole cabinet of loaner tents that our employees can take out whenever they want. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact some of those are like old models. They some got old stove jacks, old. like five, six years old. Yeah, they're still. I mean, you couldn't even tell. We just had the we dirt had, last year. We had a one that was <clears> the eclipse shape come back in in the green. Oh, really? Yep, for zipper repair. That was it. Otherwise, it was totally fine. And that had to have been made within our first two years. Yep. So. Wow. And I know there's some people that we've repaired stove jacks or zippers. That's pretty much all we repair. Yeah. Um, and I know one guy was like a hunting guide, and he'd had it for several years, and he told me that he usually spent close to 200 nights a year in it. You know, and I know Dave and Amy Freeman spent almost a complete year in their eight-man, and heck, I saw them post a photo of their eight-man. They were out skiing, backcountry skiing in the Tetons, you know. Hell, I slept a year in an eight-man. Yeah, you did. But you <laughs> in, did. Our, in our yard. <laughs> yeah, you spent the bulk of a year in there, yeah. Yeah, so... That was, Easier uh, to sneak out of the tent than out of the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> uh, can't, hear, can't hear the zipper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So talk about talk about SAG with Sil Nylon because that's that's one of the questions that a lot of people have about Sil Nylon, and that's kind of like one of the the arguments that's out there right now. Okay. Well, SAG is overblown in my opinion. Um, there's some designs that promote SAG, um, and I don't think people know that they're doing it in a way that promotes SAG. Um, and there's designs that don't necessarily promote it. Um, but the funny thing is, didn't you have a conversation with someone at Western Hunt that was complaining about SAG? And it turned out that well, they were like, well, when it snows, it starts to sag. Mm-hmm. Well, they aren't cabins. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every tent sags. Even even oh, Dyneema. Yeah. Even like, Dyneema. Yeah. yeah. It's, when it snows, yeah. Especially, especially. I mean, a lot of people are getting those heavy, wet snows when they're out there in, in the fall. The, the shoulder and, seasons. And the, and, yeah, the yeah. shoulder seasons. And that stuff, I mean, sometimes you'll it, it can be so heavy and wet that it only takes an inch to yeah. really bring it out. Yeah, fine powdery snow hardly sticks to the tent really that much. Yeah. yeah, so you don't end up getting that much sag. But when you have that wet stuff, it does not take. I, much. Have, th- I have weighed the load of snow on tents because I've set up tents in our yard and waited and waited and waited for enough snow to come to knock them down, and I've then basically weighed the snow that was on there. And there's times I I weighed like 400 pounds of snow one time. Wow, um, that's insane. Yeah. That's that's wild. Well, and the the thing is, you know, and we we try to do this with with education with Sil Nylon is, you know, like like every fabric, if you stretch it, you know, especially after you first set up a Sil Nylon tent, when you first set it up, it's going to pitch nice and tight, and about two hours later, you're going to walk back, and there will be a tiny bit of sag. That's just the fabric stretching and, and reaching its its natural. Yeah, it's area. A, there's almost like a break in period when yeah. you first get it, you know? Yeah, it's like a shoe. Yeah. Like a shoe. You gotta, you know, it's not gonna be the most comfortable the first time you put it on, but once you wear it yeah. a time or two, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, like uh, I've I really consider like the first day of a tent 
Um, and I know this sounds like someone who spent way too much time with tents. You probably <laughs> have. But, <laughs> yeah. but probably I, have. I really consider like the first day is like it's break in the first day or two, the first heat, cold, yeah. sun cycle that yeah. it's just kind of breaking in. Um, and then after that, I start to get a feel for, so like, I mean, like we had, have something out there that we were just looking at and I was like, well, we should just set this up for couple weeks and let it go through some weather cycles and see how how this looks in a couple weeks Mm -hmm. a potential product right yeah so you know that's it's just and that's maybe dyneema isn't affected but as much but you know i still i had probably 10 maybe 12 inches of snow on me one night hunting in a Dyneema Cimarron, I still woke up three, four times to kick the snow off the shelter. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it's, you can't do anything about it. That's, yeah. uh, unless you want to backpack in some sort of wood shelter and, you know, put steel things across it or. Lincoln logs. Yeah. yeah. Pack yeah. in a bunch of Lincoln logs. Pack in well, a saw and just start making your own shelter. Yeah. But not in wilderness though. Not right. in wilderness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing about about sag and like a little bit of fabric stretch, it's almost beneficial in in certain like high wind situations, right? There, there it, takes, is, it takes stress off the poles, takes, takes stress, stress off, off the stakes. Yep, and you know you get you know a tree branch tree branch falling on your tent or something like that. Sometimes it's it, going to bend, yeah. and hopefully it'll have enough bend to where it doesn't rip your tent. Right. Whereas like if if you got just like a a brick wall, I mean you know. Good, uh, another good another thing maybe is not a brick wall is good pitching on uneven surfaces yeah. a little stretch helps <laughs> yep mm-hmm. which and, is and, most the case in the high woods earlier in the cliff notes when I said I think most people would prefer sleeping in a Dyneema shelter the experience of sleeping and carrying in a Dyneema shelter its weakness is it doesn't have any stretch mm-hmm. and <coughs> that starts to is where it starts to get catastrophic failure. And things like that if things go really sideways. Mm-hmm. It's strong. It's strong. It's got all the all these great attributes. But that is the one thing that starts to bite it in the ass mm-hmm. when things start to go a little sour. Right? Yeah, I'd say I'd say most of the and I think it's kind of a funny benefit because I, I really prefer sleeping in a Dyneema shelter in the wind. Like that time. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be quieter. It was it was quieter. Like I wasn't waking up in the night, which is I value my sleep <laughs> very, very much. So I wasn't waking up in the night, uh, wasn't moving around as much. But the negative of, of it is it stresses every other single point besides the fabric. It does. Mm-hmm. So your poles, your stakes, your cordage, your even your seams can get ripped on pretty hard in really high winds. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of your negative there on the on the Dyneema. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's why the initial impression is going to be everybody be like, oh, I'll take the Dyneema tent. Doesn't stretch. Doesn't well, and and I mean, the Dyneema also. I mean, we got these attributes written down. It, it doesn't really suffer UV degradation. Yeah, but it's also like what kind of hurts Dyneema is like packing cycles. Yeah, you know. And so, well, that's not necessarily a positive. Well, yeah. and packing size, right? Because right. Dyneema, Picks it, up quite because it doesn't have that stretch, it's like you can't really, Compact I mean, you can't it. get a Dyneema Cimarron any smaller than a Cell Nylon Cimarron. I mean, you can 
pack of silk nylon simmer on down pretty small. Yeah. Whereas Dyneema, there's, I mean, you can't really, you can't and, really stuff and, it. And to be fair, we are not ragging on Dyneema. We all think Dyneema are yeah fantastic shelters, right? Yeah. But but it does have, <laughs> it does have its drawbacks, right? Mm. And I wouldn't expect it to have the long term rugged lifespan of nylon without at, at a minimum a few tape jobs, you know, to repair some things. Um, but I just don't know if, you know, I'd be relatively confident in someone sleeping in a, one of our nylon shelters for two years and just living in it for two years. Yeah. Right. So anyway, yeah. Dyneema, it's negative is really, it's lack of stretch. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's also, it's positive. Yeah. That's why I think you have a better experience straight out the door with it in most things. Right. Um, it also negative is that it doesn't pack as well, and it probably, honestly, doesn't have the longevity of a cell, a high tenacity, good quality cell nylon. Right. The negative with the cell nylon is potential UV degradation, which is mostly based on color, was significantly on color, and poly does degrade as well. Um, you will notice some po de degradation in poly as well, and that it can kind of sag, but it's also, it has stretch, which helps it survive so well, mm -hmm. right? But and it helps you pitch it in awkward places. And yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that, that, that kind of helps. Now with so poly, um, you know, so poly is really not a bad, bad fabric. Um, I would say it's, Biggest benefit, though, is that at least if you're buying from Ripstop, it looks to be about half the cost. Mm -hmm. um, I know we have made tents and sent them to people years ago with Soap Poly. Some of them requested. Um, I told you about the rafting, uh, the three-week trip where they had both a Soap Poly and a Dyneema prototype, and they ended up using the Dyneema. Mm -hmm. A uh, person very familiar with the tents. And then our friends on Kodiak Island, very familiar with our tents, they uh, requested uh, to try a Silk Poly, and we sent them a Silk Poly, and they were customer number ones on Dyneema mm. when Dyneema came out. Yeah. Um, so, and they did not prefer the Silk Nile to the nylon tents they already had. Um, you know, the thing of the UV degradation, weakening cell nylon, like I said, there's some truth to it, but it's more color-based, mm -hmm. bright colors. Um, versus poly, I think is overblown because maybe I'm going to search for the right analogy here, but cell nylon's like an NFL linebacker as far as strength right out the bat or something. And as long as it's in a muted color it doesn't suffer a whole lot of atrophy but sil poly is far 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 less strong initially yeah and, and and when you mean less strong are you talking about puncture or tear or what are we looking at it probably um you guys have like i said we did a we did a drunk test mm -hmm. one time but um the puncture 
I would say is a bit less, but not substantially less. Yeah. It, it does stretch, though. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It does. Um, <clears throat> Especially the, on that, what do you call it, the bias of, yeah. the, of the material, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's where they where they all stretch on the bias. Um, and what's the bias of the material? It is basically across the grain. Imagine a checkerboard going from corner to corner. Mm. Yeah, cool. So... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But the cell poly, I, I don't think we could even, you know, maybe the cell poly is like a kicker in the NFL or something. I'm not ragging kickers there. Maybe there's some really buff Hey, kickers. Pat McAfee, he was a beast. Yeah. But <clears throat> I think if it was him versus Ray Lewis, I think Pat McAfee's got an, got an issue. <laughs> 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 we were, well, and we were talking, it's, you know, it's like if you put like a, if you put Ray Lewis and you put Pat McAfee, in the middle of a bowl ring drill for all you football folks out there. It's basically you stand in the middle and you have all your other teammates around you and you just take turns just pummeling each other. <clears throat> Ray Lewis is going to come out of that thing much better than Pat McAfee. Right? Because, I think because Ray, Ray Lewis is the, is the bigger, stronger guy. Bigger, stronger. He's just built different, as the kids say these days. <laughs> built yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just at a different level. Yeah. Right? Um, but so, and I encourage you guys, if you don't want to believe us, you can go to Ripstop by the Roll, lay down about 20, 30 bucks, unless you're buying Dyneema Mm -hmm. for a few samples. If you're buying Dyneema as part of the sample, lay down like 60 bucks. Um, and you can test yourself, put a tent stake through them. A ways away from the edge. See how easy you can rip that tent stake through. But in our thing that our staff did, I mean, it was there was a pretty substantial difference yeah. in yeah. being able to tear there. Yeah. Um, some people had a hard time tearing the cell nylon. That the high tenacity. Yeah, high yeah. tenacity. Right. Yeah. And. You know, I'm sure if it hasn't happened to Sil Poly, there's going to be some degradation probably with different qualities as well. Um, so, um, then there's you, Sil PU. Yep, Sil PU. Let's... You want to let her in. <coughs> um, we're going to have a dog in her, I think. The only issue is when she was in here earlier, she did get... She stepped on the oh. recording device. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. Well, since we took a break, you want to record tonight? I'm good, man. I'll take one. Yeah, you take mine. Drink mine. Um, all right. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Yeah, that's why we took a break. I uh, opened the door to see if she wanted in. And I put it back in. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you do? All right, continue on. Continue on. Okay. All right. So now we're on to the Sil PU. Yeah, so Sil PU. Um, I, you know, we built some tents out of Sil PU. Um, we don't anymore. Um... Because, well, 
it wasn't as good or as strong as the Soul Nylon long term. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really kind of what it comes down to. Um, there's the benefit is if you do one side one and one side the other, you can tape it. It does add a little bit of weight, but it reduces the tear, tear strength. Mm. Um, there are a couple other things. I mean, it can be a little less sticky, a little less slippery, and those can be benefits in certain applications. Mm-hmm. Like we do still use a sill PU on the floor mm-hmm. of Ness, you know. Because, so stuff doesn't stick to it. Yeah. yeah you so get a little better grip on it. You get a little <laughs> better grip. You're not slip sliding away. You're like, well, I got my... 12 ounce tent here but i can't stay on the mountain with it because it's sliding <laughs> away uh, you know so um so we use it in some areas like that but it's not at the uh it's not at the level of the high tenacity cell nylons but the, good the, ones. the reason we stopped using it and correct me if i'm wrong here is we we did find on tents where there's a lot more force that 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 rip was happening right yeah 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 and yeah. that had, so it just stopped yep. yeah yep i mean it didn't it didn't a very very small percentage but um very very small percentage but enough we we don't you know we don't like failures yeah um that's kind of what it comes down to yeah um then we have the super light cells I don't feel knowledgeable enough to to go over those in super detail. I will say I'm relatively I'm pretty impressed with them at this point. Yeah. Um, but give it a give it a few more months, and I'm actually going to probably try to have a personal tent that I use most of the summer made out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, uh, I mean I've. I've had very limited experience with it, but, um, I mean, I've taken it to a certain fishing spot of mine that is notorious for wind, um, as it's directly in a Canyon. Corn and Lake? I, huh? Corn Lake? Yeah. Co- yeah. Corn Lake. Chatfield Reservoir, actually. <laughs> Chatfield Reservoir. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, uh, and I was, I was surprised because when you feel it, it's pretty thin. You, it is. You'd be like... I don't know about this, but it's it's surprisingly, you know, like I haven't worried about it one bit. I had I had a Silex set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had it for for <clears throat> probably six eight weeks in the fall, and I didn't baby it at all, and it, it did take on some pretty good blows, and was pretty good. And a little got, snow too, right? Yeah, it got snowed on a couple times as well, and I mean I think it stretches maybe a little more than the others yeah you can kind of feel that just by yeah putting your hand on but you know you can use stretch to your advantage too <clears throat> in guy out points and things mm-hmm. like that you know yeah. if you if you locate if you orient the bias and stuff a certain way you can get an advantage i mean that's how we do it in our shelters i mean like the guy outs on the cimarron are on a bias mm-hmm. on a bias you know and they're the only seams that are on a bias. Mm. So, yeah. and it's because they have the ability to stretch fairly well. And so you can use that to create more space, a little cordage and two tent stakes. And you can even guy out on the Cimarron, the Dyneema. 
pretty pretty <clears throat> decently for a material yeah. that doesn't stretch. Yeah, yeah, you can. So, so we also talked um, waterproof condensation. Um, the winter and waterproof is going to be Dyneema out the gate, mm-hmm. um, just flat out. Um, because it, it won't absorb water, right? Like flat No, out. it won't. Um, occasionally what happens is through packing cycles, it may get creases mm. that wear a little bit and maybe it gets some spots that stuff can come in. But the one of the cool things is you can tape a Dyneema. Although it's very undersold, you can tape sill now as well. And we have tape patches. You can do a lot of things with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we've put the necessary edumacation on it. And that's why I got edumacation written up on the board as well. Edumacation. Yeah, because because I think there's more there than just slapping it over a hole, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it does kind of, I think that also somewhat changes the game a little bit. Um, in that lighter floors, you can now patch and stuff where you couldn't necessarily patch them before yeah. if you got a hole in them. Um, and it's literally like about as easy as putting a piece of duct tape on. Yeah. You know? And you can go on to Gear Aid and they got just a whole smattering of different size sill patches. Yeah, and we have... We sell them. We yeah. sell them. And you can even sew some things to them. Add a little loop inside if you want. If you always wanted to hang your light from right here, mm-hmm. sew a little loop on it and stick one right there, right? That's a good idea. Now, they yeah. won't necessarily always handle high stress. There's some other adhesives we've messed with um, that actually bond a little bit better than those patches. But they aren't as user-friendly. They are so hard to get on straight. Mm. Um, but I had some of those other adhesives, but it was it was frustrating to try to get a good patch because of how slippery it was. Mm. Um, but that thing bonded super well. Yeah. Um, strength, tear, and puncture, those go to Dyneema and Sil all day long. Yeah. Or, or high tenacity sill. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who would win out of the poly, the sill PU, and the 7 to 10 denier sill. I, I don't know who would win on that. Um, it might still be the 7 to 10 denier high tenacity sill nylon. <laughs> you know, um, the, the poly and the sill PU, you know, I would say probably the sill PU outperforms the cell poly in that. Hmm. Um, but I can't say that scientifically, you know. With and a, since you're talking, what what is, like, what's the defiance, what 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 defines a denier? Like, when you're talking a 7 denier, example, we use a 30 denier high tenacity cell nylon, like. Now you're testing my memory. Yeah, see? Um, <laughs> really, well, I'm just trying to help, I'm just trying to help the folks out. Isn't it like the amount of, Pieces of fiber in a certain I thought, I thought it was like area, like a thread count. <clears throat> I think yeah. it's a certain amount that takes up to 9,000. Um, I'm just going to go for the what they say on 
MSR, denier is used to determine the thickness of the fibers. Well, yeah, duh, that's true there. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's actually like 9,000 feet or something yeah. at a certain weight. Yeah. It's a unit of density based on <clears throat> length and weight of a yarn. A uh, single strand of silk is considered one denier. But I think it's, there's like a certain amount. I think it's like 9,000 feet or inches or something, right? So uh, so a, a 30 denier high tenacity silicon just has a higher thread count than a 70. Well, not a higher thread count. It has, the threads are essentially four times the size. Oh, okay. So they're so, more burly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're just burlier threads, right? Yeah. Um, and so I guess a logical question from there would be, okay, um, why don't we just use 70 denier cell nylon for everything? 70 denier? Yeah. Well, so we have made tents out of a 70D. Mm-hmm. Um, It was they weighed more, so um, that's that's probably going to be the main thing, right? Is, that, is weight obviously? Cause that it's was one denser. of the that was one of the uh, <clears throat> one of the big things, right? Um, our old tan tents, a lot of those were out of a seventy denier. I think it was a uh, silicone coated on one side, not both. Um, and frankly. Um, We had some people complain when we decided to go away from that and just only do 30D. Mm. Um, but there was no real validity in the complaints. In our testing and, and in the two or three years we had done that, the SIL, the 30 denier, was outperforming them. Mm. You know? Yeah. I think, I think what you find people do is when they go to the higher denier, they use a lower grade nylon. Mm. Um, so the 70D <coughs> is maybe like it's a 70 denier nylon, but not high tenacity. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. And yeah, you could get a high tenacity 70D. So I did work with our fabric supplier on that at the point when we switched over. And the problem being is the threads for our fabric are made in the u.s mm -hmm. um but they're woven in asia not mm -hmm. china not china um but they're woven somewhere over in asia right um and they would have had to import an absolutely silly amount of 70 denier to get the high tenacity mm -hmm. Over there because there wasn't a demand and they weren't using it anywhere else. Yeah. They already had the 30 denier that they were using for other stuff, right? Yeah. So we weren't going to create a whole nother thing of, well, hey, you need to import, you know, enough yeah. to make. I think we had to, we would have had to buy in it like two, uh, five miles worth of fabric or something. Um, Gets my house on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna create, yeah. I'm gonna create myself a nice umbrella. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That summertime, don't have to see the sun at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that'll be a UV but, test. But in comparison, <laughs> but in comparison to a 70D nylon, the 30 denier high tenacity 
simply outperformed it. There was less field failures, less problems. Yeah. And we took a lot of flack from customers who thought like we were focusing on too light and screwing the people that maybe just had river camps and didn't wanted something packed small. Mm. But um, the the truth is the 30 is a better fabric. Yeah, it just worked better. That's what yeah. I kept telling them. You know, the truth is it's not just lighter. It's just better and stronger. Yeah. So, so I, well, I, I think – go ahead, Owen. So a Sil Poly, a Sil PU, uh, they're all going to have deniers as well. So you could not necessarily tell the exact strength off of – the denier, you'd probably base it more off of the fabric, but like uh there there's ten denier sil sil poly, right? And then there's also a higher denier than Yeah, right? I think well I think what most people are using is a twenty. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um I did leave two tents set up for quite a while long term. One was a sil poly twenty denier and one was a R thirty D. Um and there, there's no science on this one. The Sil Poly did develop a pretty good rip. Um, I don't know the cause of it. It could have been simply a dog. Walked through. Walked yeah. through. You Saw know. a squirrel getting there. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> it could have been something like that, right? number of things, right? Yeah, it could have been a number of things, but it did develop a fairly good rip in it. Um, one thing we haven't touched on is value. Value, yeah. So. I think value is a double-edged sword mm-hmm. um, because there's, there is the value of the fabrics and then there's what you value. Exactly. So That's like, a big distinction right. with everything in outdoors. Right. So like I've typically driven Toyotas or Toyota-based, Lexus-based products because I haven't had a lot of issues with them. I had a Ford that was such a piece of junk. It, it literally, there should have been a line item on my paycheck for my Ford tax at the time. <laughs> it, it should have been. Because like every paycheck, I was like, how much am I paying for this damn thing again? Yeah. You know, um, I'm not saying that all Fords are like that, but that really soured me. I went to a couple Ford dealers. I like I liked the looks of those, the Bronco, the, the big one. But I'm also like, oh, I had such a bad experience. I just can't, you know. Yeah. And I've never had that there. Now, we've had Nissans. We've had some Chevy products. We've had some other. We just haven't had the long-term luck, reliability, solidness, dependability that we've had with tacos, tundras, GXs, Forerunners, all of them. You know, we look like a freaking used Toyota, Toyota lot. <laughs> you know, really does. Um, Camp Lexus down there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I value getting in my car and knowing where it will go, knowing mm-hmm. that I can start it up and it's going to go take me somewhere I want to go mm-hmm. with minimal hassle as long as I do my part to maintain it and not fuck it up. And probably if it does get fucked up, it's probably because I spent a lot of time off-road. Beating it up. But if you go on the forums and stuff, or you go with some of these things, I mean, Toyota apparently does not know how to make a water holder, bottle holder. Um, Cup holder. Yeah, cup holder. 
they, I guess I'm too backpack into the backpack terms. world. <laughs> yeah. They don't know where to put their now jeans. Yeah. Um, you know, um, they don't know how to make a cup holder. Can you put a, yeah. a, a you water know, bladder in here? You know, <laughs> it's taken them forever to get to putting turbos in. Uh, you know, yeah. they're so old school and so this, you know. But I also vividly remember what that Ford did to me, you know. <laughs> um, you know, that's why you guys aren't going to college, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Should have called it a Jeep, you know, that's just you gotta, yeah. And the funny thing is I sold it to uh, – this guy wanted to buy it. And Poor I guy. refused to sell it to him because I said it was such a piece of shit. So I went to a dealer, so I didn't feel so bad trading it into a dealer. And I traded it for a Toyota Camry, which worked flawless, by the way. Big big change going from an F-350 to a Toyota Camry. <laughs> um, but Did you take how, that thing off-roading? <laughs> no, but that is how fed up I was with that Ford. Yeah. I was like, I just want a fucking reliable vehicle. Opposite end of the point. spectrum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, most reliable vehicle. Yeah. Camry. Okay. Trade <laughs> it for a Camry. Yeah. You know, I, I sold the camper that it had with it and everything. Then I went to tent camping, was like, fuck all this. Anyway, yeah. um, so that's one value set, right? What what you value, right? So your yeah. your analogy pointing it towards the tent fabric, how do you see it there? What what do you what do you see as your Toyota there? Well, the Toyota, I think, is the high tenacity cell. Yeah. Because uh, the Dyneema is strong, yet the, the price is just, it's like, it's like buying a Mercedes. Yeah. Mercedes aren't, aren't going to be as reliable as a Toyota, per se, but or they're you, still built well. Or you might even good. put it into Land Rover. Yeah. You know, Land yeah. Rovers are pretty sweet vehicles. Yeah. You know? Um, but sometimes the bells and whistles cause a few more. Issues. Issues. Yeah. You yeah. know, I've talked to people who have had fabulous luck with their Land Rover. You know? Yeah. Um, I have. Um, but I also think there's value in the dollar mm-hmm. and what you get back. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's your values. If your value is the best experience the nights you spend out in the woods and you think, I spend 20 nights a year out in the woods... You know, um, I plan to do this for 10 years. Absolutely nothing wrong with Dyneema, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I, I don't get in the, and I want the most comfy camp I can, lightest weight, Dyneema, you know? Yeah. But if your value is, man, I'm going to kick the shit out of this thing. I'm going to treat it like a, you know. Like a Chevy Silverado. Like baby. a Chevy Silverado. You know. But like Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take it in and I'm going to set it up in spots I'm going to hunt a week before and leave it unattended and come back. Then it's the nylon. Or, yeah. or even, or even like, say, like, we all know one person last year who went. And we all went on flying hunts in Alaska. Mm-hmm. It's cool, mm-hmm. um, but there's a there's a different feeling kind of when you get dropped off. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, well, well, yeah. Hope, hope I didn't forget my cell phone. <laughs> yeah. Hope this uh, hope this uh, is an enjoyable trip because yeah, 
No, I'm not walking out yeah. today. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I can't be like, fuck this place. I hate it. I'm just going to walk on out of here. Yeah, get, get to my truck and go <clears throat> home. Yeah. yeah get yeah. a hotel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we know someone who was with a group who they all got animals and the bush pilots came in to get the group. And like in our case, they can't get all of us at a time. We were flying single file on a plane basically, mm-hmm. right? And the weather turned sour, and one of them was out there for like a week, 10 days by themselves until mm-hmm. the weather cleared, you know, yeah. riding that out. And in that case, I want the high-tenacity self-shelter. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, yeah, the poly, the PU, whatever, they might be less expensive or maybe have some other perceived benefits at that point i don't care about the hundred bucks i spent three four five grand on this trip or whatever trip of a lifetime i care about that it's gonna work yeah uh, i want the thing that i think is gonna hold up and you know that if i'm out there and they're like hey weather's really turning sour for the next 10 days I don't want to be looking at my shelter and being like, I hope I bought a good one. Which, yeah. I mean, you can, you can, in in between the Sil Nylon and the Dyneema, like, like we've said, all said, Dyneema is a great fabric. Mm-hmm. Amazing. But sure, your Sil Nylon Toyota doesn't have the best cup holders or your best water bottle pockets in Kevin's mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, Gonna ninety nine point nine nine percent get you there every time without an issue. Mm-hmm. And so you know what's your what's your gamble there? Do you want your do you want your little your pockets? Do you want to save a little bit of cash and go down on on something, or do you want to just know something's gonna get you there and work every single time? Yeah, yeah. we've had well, so few failures in this tent. I mean, there's been some zipper, there's been a few stove jack, some stove jacks we replaced long time. Over long term, I I've uh, ran I've ran an eight man just as a as a what do you call car this? camp a testament yes an eight man is a car camp and in the desert and in the mountains it gets windy <laughs> and stormy it's not as extreme I can just go hop in my car obviously but I've had one of my buddies threw a stick at the tent in the middle of the night because he thought it was funny and it poked like a good six inch hole down at the bottom of the tent I've ran that thing for two years. Zero issues. Hasn't ripped anymore. I haven't even repaired it. <laughs> so it's just, I'm like, you know, because I'm by my car, obviously. Yeah. And my time to repair it is very little. So, but I haven't seen an issue with and, it, which is a and, testament. To and to, to be clear, I mean, we're not always the easiest on our gear. And sometimes it's a little intentional. Like, I rarely seem seal my own tents. Mm. Um, and little known fact we recommend that everyone seam seal or have a seam seal, but our seams are pretty watertight. Yeah. You, you really yeah. got to seal around the stove jack and the guy outs a little bit. And other than that, they're generally a pretty watertight tent. Yeah. And you don't have a whole lot of issue with it. Um, and it's just like that with everything. I mean, some people say, well, hey, we, you don't need a seam seal. Well, chances are 
you're actually going to need to seam seal if you're like in a three day storm. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's going to soak in. It's a given. Yeah. yeah. It's a given. I mean, there's a couple manufacturers that say you don't, but if you go and look online, you'll find people that are like, mm, yeah, enough rain, you know, we'll overwhelm it. You yeah. Know? yeah. Seam sealing isn't, isn't a hard thing to yeah. learn. No. And we, we have plenty of videos on how to do it. There's plenty of videos online that aren't even from Seek Outside that, yeah. show you how to do it's it easy. it's i actually carry a tube usually with me but i rarely have a seam sealed tent yeah and i'm just like let me see how it goes but i'm doing that kind of little bit for the knowledge part yeah well i think uh just kind of one last like takeaway um is i always fall back and i always tell people like the 80 20 rule right like like fall back on that like if you were if you are going to be camping one night a year at a state park out in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, w- with all the amenities, RVs all around you, you know, maybe maybe the seek outside tent is not for you, right? But if you... At least, at least in, in the value aspect. In the value aspect. No, I agree. Because you, you could go to Walmart and get a tent for 40 bucks, set it up. It's going to work for that work. one time. Yeah, what's it's that? What, what's the chance that out of 365 days of the year, it's going to rain that one night that you chose to go out? Probably very high. Probably yeah. 80%. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Probably so like 80, 20. Yeah, yeah. probably 80, 20. But I mean, like, you know, if you're going to be doing most of your stuff in the backcountry, if you're going to be, you know, uh, if most of your trips are going to be backpack hunting or doing long, you know, three miles in where, where, you know, it, it's going to take take some beating first off the tent's going to take some beating but it, it takes more than just opening up a door and getting in your truck to wait out a rainstorm or something like that i mean you you want to get something quality and or, or you know, i mean it's, it's the the thing with all outdoor gear and and just basically anything that you need reliability out of you it's going to cost a little what, bit more money pay for what you get most of the time yeah that's what money yeah, is for more often than not you actually do pay for it and you know, I know you're pretty frugal, Owen. <clears throat> Although you certainly ride some expensive bikes for such a frugal guy. <laughs> um, and insert Marin commercial. Yeah. <laughs> um, Please go visit at uh, Marin Bike. <laughs> um, I'm. I've been fairly frugal, and sometimes when I've tried to be like, "Oh, I'm going to save the fifty bucks on this," you know what? Uh, I'll tell you what. For years. Uh, everyone told me that Western Mountaineering bags were the bomb, right? Um, but I tried to buy a really nice bag f- made by a company who starts with an M that was probably saved me like 200 bucks. Um, you know, then I bought another nice bag from someone else that was close to top tier. Now I run Western Mountaineering bags, and yeah, we're a dealer, so I don't necessarily pay full price on them, but knowing what I know now, I wish I would have bought a Western Mountaineering 10 years ago. Well, and with those two other bags, you probably spent what you would full price for a Western Mountaineering bag. Oh, yeah. I've spent more, and I I can go back and look at that and say optics. Mm -hmm. I've done the same thing yeah yeah it's totally um there's a minix spotter around here um there's a couple other spotters around 
And then there's the Koa Promenar, mm-hmm. which is a badass little mini spotter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I've, I've spent money on cars buying O'Reilly's parts four times of what I would have spent if I would have just bought an OEM part. You know, like just replacing and replacing and replacing and replacing, plus my own time. Like, just yep. sometimes I'm not. I'm not saying that being because I am a frugal person. But over the years, you end up spending so much money doing that to where when you just buy that one, if there's hype around it, everybody tells you about it, and it's $200, $100 more expensive, 90% of the time i found it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and not to toot our own horns here, right, but I think the two biggest testaments to our company are um, – one – Getting back to the tent fabrics, A, we've tested all these fabrics that we've built shelters I mean, out of all yeah. of them. Yeah. And there's a reason why we've settled on sil nylon. And yeah, we, we do don't want s- yeah, we don't want to throw anyone dynamo. else under the bus. Yeah. We're we're not going out and really trying to um refute their marketing claims or anyone's marketing claims or yeah. whatever. But we have built shelters out kind of all of, of these. Yeah. And the other thing I would say We've is... We've let people outside of us test them as well yeah. and get their feedback. Mm-hmm. And some of them requested <clears> them <throat> and moved on to something that said, eh, it's decent, but no. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, but the other thing I would say is like just going to BHA Rendezvous last year, how many Seek Outside tents did we did we see set up? When I was in Montana... Car, camp, car camping. Yeah. When I was in Montana, at you know, w- when we were doing some elk hunting... There's three seek outside tents in the in the the parking lot that me and Lee were posting up at. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, and of course we didn't we, you know, our tents were in our backpacks, so we slept in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't want to take them out. We got out pretty late, but you know, we obviously slept in now, the seek outside now, tent. Now did you guys there. did you guys do that because you didn't want them to know you were associated with Seek Outside? No, it was just you? so we we slept in the in the Red Cliff while we were up there. But the last night we got back super late and we were just like, oh, let's, let's oh, sleep you, in the truck. Yeah, we don't want to like, yeah. mess with it. Because yeah. there's times that I've seen our tents too, and I feel odd because like I've I like to engage with customers. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've been hiking down from a lake that I've been fishing, and I'm like, oh, that's one of our carbon poles in that dude's uh, back backside pocket, Mm -hmm. you know. And then I get to talk to him or whatever, and it's like they were up doing whatever and had whatever tent, right? Um, I like to engage with them, but sometimes you can kind of get hung up. And if I'm hunting, I typically try to avoid avoid people, and I know that sounds uh, because I think you can just talk end, for a long time. You can end oh, up yeah. talking for a long time. Why the elk just walk right? Back <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, it's well, it's end of shooting light already. Damn yeah, and when, I, when I'm hunting, I just kind of want to be doing my own thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like if it was me, I probably wouldn't have sat one up there, just because I was like, you know, I'd been like. Well, maybe I put some duct tape over my seat outside sticker on my car, yeah. you know, um, yeah. or whatever. But like, I mean, the pilot that last year flew us in, he said uh, I think sixty percent, about sixty percent of the camps they were taken in were running us. Mm-hmm. And all these fabrics, I won't be clear, like 
all of these fabrics can make a good tent. Mm. You know, every Dyneema, high tenacity cell nylon, so poly, so PU, of super light cell, they can all make a good tent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some tents that, you know, I would prefer to be where I can walk out, right? You know, like that That if I was going on a fly-in or going on something long-term, that I'd feel more comfortable with some of these fabrics than others for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. have any, I guess if we're ending the podcast episode, let's say Joe Schmo doesn't want your seek outside tent. He don't want nothing to do with Kevin. He doesn't like me. But he loves the podcast for some reason. What would he you, loves Ryan, you, who you were trying to fire. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> what if what if, what if, what would you give Joe Schmo as a recommendation? You go up onto this random manufacturer of lightweight backpacking tents, and he's he's got you know he's given the whole spiel. Everybody's got their spiel. What would you look for material wise? In a backpack tent, do you want to you, like if if they have no ripstop, is that a is that a no go? Don't do it. Are you looking for this amount of hydrostatic head? What what are your bare minimums to pass? Let's say the price is just too good to pass up on. What are your bare minimums? What are your red flags? Bare are, minimum st- like stats on it. Wait, yeah. are you given? I think you asked me like two or three questions there. Two or three questions. Because you just, said, said some guy didn't want to buy. My tent. Some some guy me. some guy some guy hates you, but he actually he, he, loves he, your he, podcast because I'm the okay. New host. He, he th- I think <laughs> I think <laughs> he thinks I picked up his chick. Well, yeah, no, yeah, he just doesn't like you. I think it's more. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like with with not with like don't think about seek outside. Don't say any tent brands. But if you're looking for a shelter, what are the the minimum requirements for? What, is, what, that, what, is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you what do you think? Like, if, if you're looking at a tent, you're like, <coughs> dude, this is half the price of a Seek Outside Eight Man. Um, but here are the tent fabric specs. Like, what if it's a fifteen hundred millimeter hydrostatic head, no rib stop? Like, I know myself because I know a lot about fabric and everything. I would be like, that's an immediate red flag. Uh, I would I would consider that a, f- especially in a if we're talking like eight man size, um, if it's not a good ripstop nylon um i'm going to be highly hesitant i'm going to think that it's more of a toy Mm -hmm. um than a tool what's your what's your bare minimum on a hydrostatic head that you would feel comfortable with using a lot of people are doing a thousand and twelve hundred now in ways to save weight um the and it depends if it's a PU fabric, it's less likely to degrade. The sills do, the silicone does degrade, but they generally degrade to about half of what they were when they're new. Technically, the military considers fifteen hundred. I consider fifteen hundred to two thousand, long term. After you've being used waterproof. It, after yeah, after you've used it for a while, that's the reason we start at three. And actually why we went to four for a while um, is so that even when we have suffered degradation, we're still more waterproof than most tents are when they're new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, then, so minimum probably 3,000 or, I mean, 1,500. We'll if, it's, 1500. if it's a PU fabric, yeah. what I want <clears throat> is probably a minimum of 1,500 long term. Mm-hmm. 
And if it's a PU fabric, I think you can pretty much take a PU at 1500. When PU comes off, it's just going to peel. Yeah. Um, but if it's a silicone fabric, I really want it to be up more around 3000. What, what, what denier? You're, you're looking, you're looking for a tent yourself, the cheapest one you can find. What's your lowest denier on that? You're going to go. Well, I mean, are we talking just out of good heart? Are we talking like, are we talking like single pole large size shelters, or are we talking like something that you can go out of? We'll just call it a family tent. Yeah, we'll we'll just call it an eight man. Okay, yeah, eight man, eight man, man. an eight man, six to eight man, a big tent. And I would be at thirty denier. We don't even make an eight man out of Dyneema. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's an expensive prototype. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, you, oh, that didn't work. Wow, that was two grand down the drain. You, um, you heard it from the man himself, the guy who thinks about tents every single day, probably more than it's probably good for him. Ripstop is a must-have. Yeah, make sure it has ripstop. Minimum 1,500-millimeter hydrostatic head and on a family-sized tent, a 30 denier. Uh, yeah. at, at a minimum. I mean, I would... Probably prefer the nylon in it. Um, you know, you can have a little luck with some of those 40 or 70 denier cheaper fabrics. You can. Um, there's a couple manufacturers that make some larger tents out of the 40 to 70 denier range. Um, and like you could get by with a 70 denier PU. You can. And an mm. eight man, like a, a nylon seventy denier PU, can make a good tent there. Um, but if we're talking about trying to get light, once it gets below forty, then I'm going to go with a high tenacity cell nylon. Mm. Um, we have prototyped maybe a forty. We made a few prototypes out of I think a forty denier regular nylon as well, um, and that was. That was mostly an attempt to save money. And I'm going to use this when we go back to the value data point. Um, I don't know if this is our mailing list and that our mailing list just has a bunch of big spenders. I suspect that we're not a bunch, that our customers aren't all like high rolling big spenders going to Vegas on their private jets or whatever. I don't think that's our core customer base. I mean me, but you know. But when we released, when we released Ultra and Wolf, and we've been adamant that Wolf is the nicest fabric we've ever used outside of Ultra, mm. right? Yeah, I think we've all said that. Yep. Um, we had some disagreement inside uh, amongst us about which was going to sell better. Mm-hmm. We only had one guy. I think we all know that one guy. Well, I think there was uh, oh, uh, there's a one, few other. one lady too. Um, so, and some people thought that Wolf was going to sell better price or color. You know, Ultra so beat the pants off of it. Oh, yeah. So like, many more. Like nine to one. I mean, not even close. Like, we wasted our time even preparing. So from our customer base, our customer base went to the high end Mm -hmm. and we have tried to release less expensive tents before and nobody like we, and it was probably like eight years ago or seven years ago, we released, 
kind of like some more basic teepees. And I think they were like $100, $150 less expensive. And was that due to material or the way it was manufactured? The way it was manufactured. It, yeah. was, it, it was like mine, maybe minus venting and minus a couple other things. And, you know, we tried to position and no one bought those either. Yeah. You know, every time we've tried to provide a very good economy option, no one's wanted it. They all want whatever the best we have is. The well, people and- have spoken. Hopefully they're all Toyota guys because they understand the extra hundred bucks goes a ways. Yeah. So, unless you want to be uh, supporting American businesses, you know. You know I mean, saying? it's not like the Tundra is the most <coughs> American-made <coughs> truck. What? Yeah, you know, uh, that, that so gets into you know we're an American company. That so gets into so many things. But yeah, where are the shareholders? Where are the are you kidding me? That. Ryan's Ryan's in China I'm a, right now. I'm a shareholder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, we're all actually. Uh, every, I'm watching everything get made here um, in Sweden. No. And, and, yep. And then, uh, but I mean, like in right the car world, Lake. it's it's where a car is made is so much more complex. Oh yeah. You know, not as not as complex as where our tents are made. They're all one hundred percent made here. Here in America, either about 50 yards from me right here or they're getting sewn up about two miles from here, another side of town. Maybe more than two miles. Yeah, it's about four. Four. But anyway, well, I think think we hit most of the points there. If you guys have any questions or something we didn't cover. Email. Email. Podcast. Podcast at seekoutside.com. Owen will respond. Yeah, or... USOB gonna take my job but or just DM Instagram I feel like that's what most people do is DM us on on Instagram or hit us up on the Facebook group Seek Outside Adventures Um, yeah and a little plug here I'm gonna just pause just because I might have to strike this out but um, a little plug here we are doing our podcast review giveaway um, where we are um, basically giving away an ultra backpack. I'll probably restart it. I just burped in the mic. I can cut it out, but I will, I'll have to restart it now. <laughs> I'll just cut that whole thing Wait, out because I, I typically do the... How can you take his place with mistakes like that? Yeah, dude. It's all, it's all jokes. Ryan, Ryan, I, I wouldn't... I can hardly fucking edit out a bad... I can hardly edit out I'd so on a goddamn <laughs> YouTube video. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'd so. I'd so. I'd so. Peace.